0: Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering, delivering made-from-scratch hot meals and individual boxed lunches for fast distribution to offices, warehouses, and factories, even on nights and weekends. Details are at grandmascatering.com.
1: This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nuji dean Today is Friday, February 17th. Coming up, tabletop game and hobby in Overland Park hosts a growing community of board game enthusiasts who've spent the past three decades passing down the knowledge of their favorite place in the metro.
2: My favorite is we have customers now that are in their like, third generations of nerds. Yeah. You know, people that were coming to the store like when I was there at like 16.
1: We'll learn what's kept generations of regulars coming back. Plus, why so many local governments oppose a new landfill in Kansas City. But first, some headlines. A lawsuit accuses five Kansas City police officers of beating a man and improperly arresting him in the aftermath of a fatal police shooting last year. KCUR's Beck shackelford Wangonga has more.
3: Mac Nelson contends in his lawsuit that police held him against his will inside of a gas station after that shooting. Nelson contends the officers, quote, face-planted him onto the concrete. The lawsuit also claims police falsified statements later. John Pacerno, Nelson's attorney, says the officers involved were not punished.
1: For all of those reasons, you know, we want to pursue this. We want to make sure the things under our control that we can control,
4: that this type of activity does not continue to go on.
3: At least four of the officers remain on active
1: duty. The fifth person is identified in the lawsuit only as John Doe. A Kansas office that oversees attorney conduct is investigating the Johnson County District Attorney following a complaint from a woman whose son was shot to death by Overland Park Police in 2018. KCUR's Madeline Fox reports. Sheila Albers filed a complaint with the Kansas Office of Disciplinary Administrator saying DA Steve Howe lied in a statement he issued a month after her son John was killed. Howe said the Overland Park officer was justified in firing 13 times into Albers' van when the allegedly suicidal teen accelerated out of a garage. A Department of Justice investigation released last year contradicted details in Howe's narrative and criticized the officer's actions.
2: There's no more debate about what occurred the night John was killed And that those facts contradict what Steve
1: Howe said in his statement. Howe's office declined to comment. The Office of Disciplinary Administrator said it couldn't confirm the investigation or even that a complaint was filed. We'll be back after this. You listen to Kansas City Today every day because we're your local, reliable news source. You take us seriously but now it's time to have some fun. Join us at our annual benefit, Radioactive, on June 14th. NPR's All Things Considered host, Ari Shapiro, is the featured guest at this party, and it's gonna be bumping. You gotta be there. Sponsorship packages and ticket information are available at kcur.org radioactive. A local businessman wants to build a new landfill in the Kansas City area. But almost no one else is on board, and the Kansas City government says it doesn't know anything about it. KCUR's Chris Fortune uncovered this story for us, and he joined me to talk about why landfills are a hard sell for local governments and what kind of impact they can have on a neighborhood. Who is trying to build this landfill?
0: Aiden Monheiser is trying to build the landfill. He is listed as an operations director at a company called Encore Environmental Services. Um, they do restoration and construction work.
1: So, where would this potential landfill be located, and what impact could it have?
0: It would be located in southeast Kansas City, along Route One Fifty, between Peterson and Horridge Road. And the impact it would have is mostly economic. Most local governments that came out against this potential landfill listed economic development of the surrounding city as reasons they are against it, and noise and odor pollution.
1: So when you say it's going to have an economic impact, what did you mean by that?
0: It has an economical impact because if they're building houses, no developer is going to want to come in and build a house when a landfill application might be in the works. No one's going to want to live near a landfill, so it, it has an impact in that way.
1: So how do local governments feel about this?
0: Local governments are unhappy with it because of the proximity to their cities, so you have Lee Summit, Raymore and Grandview who oppose it. and that's because that landfill, in that potential location, it is very close to, their, to the borders of those cities. And I spoke to the owners of a transfer station in Grandview, and they said in modern development landfills aren't built near people and, and houses. You look at the closest landfill to Kansas City, and that is in Sugar Creek, Missouri, about 17 miles away.
1: Do you know why this location in particular was chosen?
0: I don't know why that location was actually chosen. I had reached out to Aiden Monheiser for the story. Um, He did not call back. He did not respond for the story. But if I had to guess, it's because it's way down in south east Kansas City and maybe, like, Kansas City. Maybe they wouldn't care if it was in that location since it's far away from downtown. And, And maybe it's also a deal where... He was able to procure some land from people over there, and it was might have been a, a good location just for him.
1: So you also found out that Kansas City says it doesn't know anything about all of this. Why is the city saying that?
0: I have a feeling that you know they, they're at least a, aware of it because Raymore Mayor Chris Turnbow he's been making noise about it for months now, so it's been on their radar. And while they say they haven't been formally approached, it it is could be true because there's not an application with the Missouri Department of Natural Resources yet. So maybe Aiden Monheiser and his lobbyists they didn't go speak to Kansas City directly yet, but I'm sure they're very aware of what's going on.
1: So some Missouri lawmakers are also aware of this. How do they feel about it?
0: Right. I, for this story, I spoke with Representative Sherry Gallick, a Belton Republican, and I also spoke with Representative Kemp Strickler, a Lee Summit Democrat, Sherry Gallick, she said that she hadn't spoken to anyone that is for this. And it's kind of unique, too. And Kim Strickler brought this up. It's one of those situations where you have bipartisan opposition against this potential landfill, which Democrats and Republicans joining and taking a side on any issue together. It's kind of unique. It's kind of rare. And that's something that he brought up. Um, Kim Strickler, he was worried about the proximity of the landfill to cities that he represents.
1: So is there a need for another landfill in the Kansas City area?
0: When I spoke to Raptor Recycle and Transfer, which is the transfer station I spoke to in Grandview, they said that they're operating at usually less than 20% capacity. And they said they could handle all the trash in South Kansas City without another landfill. So I'm not sure why we would need another landfill. I look at Aiden Monheiser, his wife owns a transfer station. So... If they have a potential landfill in Kansas City, they could stand to benefit from that.
1: So, why should people care about this story? Why is it important?
0: I believe it's important because of how many people it affects. Because I'm sure there's many residents in Raymore, Grandview, Lee Summit that honestly don't know too much about what's going on. A landfill in this location, I've learned, it could affect multiple cities' economies. I spoke with Raymore. Mayor Chris Turnbo, and he said he's had builders pull out of a development project. Um, two people walked away from houses that were on the market because of this potential landfill. So we've heard how it can you know affect these cities.
1: So what's the current status of the landfill? Like what would need to happen in order for this landfill to move forward or not move forward?
0: First, an application has to be uh, put in with the Missouri Department of Natural Resources representatives, uh, Kemp Strickler, he said that when Aiden Monheiser and his wife and lobbyists were up there, they were looking at it um, soon this year. Another thing too that kind of affects it is House Bill 909 at the state capitol, which basically in short, current law states that if a landfill is within half a mile of a city, they have to get that city's approval before they can successfully apply for an application. This House Bill 909 would make it a mile, so if it's within a mile of a city they have to get their approval.
1: That was KCUR's Chris Fortune. Today, we bring you another story in our series about Kansas City's neighborhood joints and the customers who bring them to life. KCUR's Zach Perez introduces us to three generations of self-described nerds at Tabletop Game and Hobby in Overland Park.
4: On a round, it's played... um, I I really feel like... uh, this is um, an extended living room or kitchen almost. Um, this feels a lot like a place in a house where like everybody comes together. Well, you might call the heart of the home, right? I'm Madeline Turnipseed, I'm 34. Uh, I've been coming to Tabletop and Cardboard Corner since May of 2021. Um, and so it, it's, it has that comfortable living room sharing. This is our communal, like, this is our, our hearth, this is our, our tavern table, this is, this is the place where everybody comes to be. Um, and the relationships that we've formed here with people that we've met, like, we've had people over to our house, we've gone over to jump people's cars, like, this is our, all of my family lives out of state, these people are my family here. Um, and they're the people that I want to spend my free time with, absolutely. Uh,
3: so my name's Larson Wiley, and I am 40 years old. And I've been coming to tabletop since I was 13. The last couple of years, I've been actually running the 40K community. It's, it's one of the one of the hobby games, Warhammer 40,000. It's a war game, played on the table with friends. I, I don't have any kids yet, so I've actually been really enjoying getting children into the hobby. Uh, but I've been teaching them how to play the games, how to model and how to paint. One specific memory was with a mom and her son Teaching him how to paint, watching it watching his eyes glow as he starts seeing his little miniatures and models come to life with color. And he just he got all excited about his army all over again. He's like 12. It was a lot of fun and very rewarding. Oh
2: it's a friendly game. Um, Players simultaneously roll home workers (laughs) in their dice behind their screens. I'm highly competitive initially.
3: My name is Madeline Davis, I'm 29. And I've been working at Carboard Corner since it opened in 21, so three years. And then I worked with Tabletop for three years before that. Early 2021, our whole staff, besides Chase and I, tested positive for COVID uh, the week after the holiday, which is a crazy week for us because kids are still out of school. And so we did not know what to do. We were like, we're going to have to shut down. I mean, there's two of us, we can't run a restaurant. And we had we had posted on our public discord that, hey, just so you know, hours maybe slower, we might limit hours. And literally we had 10 or 15 people are like, hey, I have food service experience, I'll come in and help you, these are the hours I'm available. And so we ran the cafe on volunteers for that entire week. And I mean, Chase and I worked like 150 hours, but we worked with our friends, like, you know, people who were wiping down tables and doing dishes for us. And, And so, I mean, the community literally kept the cafe running for us, basically. So we were so grateful for that. And it was like humbling to see that people cared so much to dedicate time, you know, like that, and, and work in food service, which is not easy, you know.
2: I wasn't there at the beginning, but as a wee baron of 16, uh, my mom would take me to the store in the minivan, and I was a insufferable little nerd tyke. Uh, Agreed. One of the first customers at Tabletop, so. <laughs> Walter Stewart. I'm 43 years old, and I've been working at Tabletop for some years, since 2000. Eight. My favorite is we have customers now that are in their like third generations of nerds. Yeah. You know, people that were coming to the store like when I was there at like 16, you know, in 94, and then they had kids, and their kids are just now starting to get to the age where their kids are starting and We're getting that. Those little nerd grandbabies are in there, and we fostered a place where people... It can, it's like a family outing to, to yeah. go, and it's a, a place that everyone wants to go, and they pass down to their kids and their kids. Yeah, I
3: face rolls
2: with that face awesome. Awesome. I usually play pretty nice, unless it's with my wife. We go so hard at each other. See, nice. You're going.
1: You're going... That was a dispatch from Tabletop Game and Hobby in Overland Park from KCUR's Zach Perez. It's part of an occasional series on Kansas City's local favorites and their regular customers. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Trevor Grandin and KCUR Studios and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. To read Chris's story on the potential landfill and Zach's story on tabletop game and hobby, visit KCUR.org, where you can find more local news from Kansas City's NPR station. On Monday, we'll visit a crisis pregnancy center in Kansas. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week.